Are you a scaling SaaS founder? Ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds and those who don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, welcome back to the SaaS Fuel podcast, where we're like a mullet in a tech conference. It's all business in the front and party in the back, and it's a little bit confusing <laughs> for everybody involved. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, <laughs> I am know. not Jeff Maines. Um, we're doing something a little different today. We're doing a team takeover. My name is Blake Browning, and I'm a client growth strategist. Uh, so basically, what that means is when you come into our our world, I'm the one who helps you implement all of Jeff's cool ideas and uh, all of our training and our resources. I'll help you put that in your business. Uh, along with us today, we have DJ, who is an IT expert. I'll let you talk a little bit about yourself, DJ. I don't, I don't do, I don't do anything. <laughs> I'm DJ. I got reindeer ears. I'm here for the muffins. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, I'm the same thing as Blake. Uh, I help grow our clients' uh, businesses, and uh, yeah, I'm a little bit of an IT guy. I've been doing it about 25 years, so feels like forever. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a little bit more than a little bit of a IT yeah. guy. A little bit. Uh, what is it? Forty thousand hours or something like that. <laughs> what ten thousand hours is an expert, and I've been doing it 25 oh, yeah, years. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right. It's right. been a while. Qualified. <laughs> A little bit. Well, today what we're going to do, guys, is we are going to – we're just going to flip the script. Usually Jeff is talking with uh, SaaS founders like many of you. He's usually digging into your stories and hearing about your businesses, and it's it's really fun. And, and what we want to do instead today is we're just going to sort of guess why should anybody listen to what Jeff has to say. That's the question <laughs> that we want to answer today. Is it Who is this guy? Who's Jeff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, thanks for having us on on the show today, Jeff. And yeah, let's just dive into it. I think sure. maybe a good place to start is, can you tell us a little bit about who is Jeff Maines? How did you get to be where you are today? And where did you start? Been an entrepreneur for a, a long, long time. And so it's you know, as far back as I can remember. <laughs> no, it, it has been a, a long time. So. Uh -huh. 25, 30 years, have built uh, multiple companies in, in different industries, uh, two in the SaaS space, still run one of those today. Uh, we're a fintech on the business side of healthcare. So pretty interesting mix uh, of things there. And about the, the last 10 or 12 years have worked with uh, B2B SaaS founders, executives, and helping them grow their business and scale and, and do what I've done. We do that in, in two ways. One is one to 10 million. And, and help them make that journey. There's, there's some significant shifts that happen between one and 10, and, and then a mastermind that is 10 to 50 plus. So a little bit different set of uh, challenges in that range. So it's a, a lot of fun in, in building businesses and uh, creating things, exiting and going out and creating something else and, and helping other people do that same thing. That's awesome. I've, I've heard that sound bite. It's a good sound bite. And, and I've heard you say it a bunch of times. And it always, to me, sounds like no big deal. It's like, oh, I, I do this and I've done that. And it's like, sure. well, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> hold on, yeah. because 
yeah, it, it maybe it's fun to do that stuff, but it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly challenging. As anybody who's listening to this, who's a founder, knows, like it's not a, it's not a hobby. It's, I mean, maybe it is now for you, but it's, no, it's it's, not. it's, that, it's still hard every single time because it's different every time. And there are things that you take forward from one to another, but it's it's not the it's not just rinse and repeat. It's not just go do the same things. It's not just take the the exact same thing that worked before and do it again because there are nuances in every business and every company and in every industry. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the the different things that I've done is is changed industries, changed mm-hmm. types of companies, different types of businesses, and so it's it is different every time. And it's I wouldn't say it's ever easy. I was talking to my coach a little while yeah. back in, in California, and, and he was telling me, "Hey, if it's really, really hard, maybe you're doing it wrong." Yeah. And so I thought, "Now that's that's really good advice." And, and we talked through some things, and, and there were several things that we we found, and it's like, "Hey, that was really hard, and I was doing it wrong." Yeah, yeah. And so you and you, you, you you know change you just change the perspective, change yeah. how you're doing it, and and it gets significantly easier. I won't ever say it's easy. Yeah. But there are pieces of it that, that can become easy when you have the right tools, you have the right systems, you have the right playbooks. You're, you're really executing well. And this, that's, a, that's a big difference in just you know, how you approach it. But it is different every single time. How many, how many have you run? I mean, I know little things here and there, but obviously there's so many that you consider, quote unquote, successful, which I don't mean you have your own criteria right. for that. But then you have other ones that may not have hit that bar. So how many successful versus how many total that you've done if, if you know i mean <laughs> sure well when i say built five and that's over 10 million and so that's just that's real and not that not that some of the other things aren't and so probably a dozen uh, dozen other things so i've got different okay. side projects i've done real estate investing for a long long time 20 <clears throat> gosh 20 years some some side projects that, that I do, just little little companies that are, are not going to be big it's just some of them are passion projects some of them are just fun some of them are things that, that just run and, and other people take care of those. And, and I enjoy being a part of whatever that is that's going on. Mm-hmm. But then I've, I've had other things that I've tried and have absolutely fallen flat. Uh, a couple of years ago, we tried to do like a, a SaaS lending, AR factoring kind of thing where you could get paid. You Say you do a three-year contract, you get paid for all of it up front. And for whatever reason, I know the reasons. And it was just, I didn't have the right people. I didn't have the right message. I, I just, I didn't have the right things in place. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, a good year of completely messed up. Mm-hmm. And you get to the end and go, well, it's time to pull the plug on this. <laughs> and could it have been great? Maybe. And it was the, the timing right? Was the team right? But it just, you know, and, and there are lots of those types of things. The, the only thing that, that you, to be successful the only thing you have to do is to try a whole bunch of stuff and one of those things will work and, and some of them won't. And so it's figuring out the, the ones that won't quickly and really focusing your energy and time and the things that, that do, that mm-hmm. have legs, that have potential, that they really do have that fit. It's not you know, a product in search of a market. It's something that is, is strategic and, and you really see that there's a need and you can go fill it like nobody else can. Is there I, something? I'm curious. God, like, why even be an entrepreneur? I know there's a lot of good <laughs> reasons, but for you, like, you decided to because a lot of people would decide to have a career. So when you were young, I mean, when you you say you've been doing this 25, 30 years, 
what was it that was interesting to you? Because because to some people it does seem impossible, and even maybe to some new founders, it's like, am I? <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Was, like, how do you know when what you're doing? Yeah, I think that it's really an interesting question of of why, and the the easy answer is I can't do anything else. I've tried to do the corporate thing. I've, I've been contractually obligated to stay on and do the corporate thing for a little while after exit. And, and I don't enjoy it. I just, I've been entrepreneurial for a long, long time. And so it's seeing a need in the market and going, nobody's filling this or there are the solutions maybe higher or lower, or there, there's, there's something missing in there. Or you look out at the, the solutions done this and everything was on premise. Like how, how come we can't make this a SaaS? And so then it's just, I see a problem and I have to go solve it. So maybe it's obsessive compulsive. I don't know. <laughs> Is there but it's one of those things that I can't do anything else? Uh, it's like a do DNA think, thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Do you think founders have more or less confidence than the average person? Or, or uh, I don't know that it's, it's necessarily a matter of confidence. Yeah. But uh, founders take action. And so it doesn't matter if they're confident or they're not mm. confident because there, there are a lot of things that, that I'm not confident in and, and I don't know. And, and I, but I'm willing to step into the darkness right. and take that chance. And so I think but that's see, now, the difference. Wouldn't that be confidence? Because you have, you're like, listen, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to do what I can to move forward. And it's, or maybe it's courage, right? Cause you're going to push through the unknown to find the answer. Or maybe we're just all stupid. I don't know. I, I think it's probably some mix of all of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> like, are you crazy? Yeah, yeah a, a little bit. bit. Yeah. I like it's that. Just, that's, I think that's part of the requirement. Give us a rundown on the – I mean, I've heard this. DJ and I know this stuff. But what are the companies that you've done? I mean, 25, 30 years, the ones that you consider successful that have crossed $10 million in revenue, what were they? Because they're in different industries, right? Sure, sure. So a long, long time ago, services business, kind of where I started, I'm really, really tiny. So it's not one that I count in lawn, lawn mowing, landscaping. So that was a really early, early win. <clears throat> I've done other little things, vending machines in yeah. uh, college and a little bit after. I mean, I how about that. that? That's cool. I did yeah, that. Crazy <laughs> things. Uh, so lots of different, lots of different things like that. Um, but uh, office supplies, video stores, back when you actually went into a physical oh. location and browse the aisles and, oh. and, and got a VHS tape. It got fined if you didn't rewind. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even remember that. Oh, you're uh, it's, it's a long, long time ago. So right. very different things, consumer-based, retail. From there, financial services ran a – this is one of the, the corporate things. This is one of the things that I think was a mistake – ran a uh, financial services business for a little while and and it was okay but really wanted to get back and, and solve bigger problems and the SAP consulting SAP back in the late 90s super super hot as it was going to to client server from mainframe I mean that's mm. it's been a long time I remember and, and they're still doing really really well and continuing <clears throat> to innovate so that was a, another one 
that was fantastic and, and two exits in that process. A really interesting deal. It's one of the things that I learned where acquisitions can be free when you have a private company bought by a public company, just the, the multiple disparity. So if you buy a company that's private and say you pay 10x multiple, and but you're a public company and you have a 30x multiple or 20x multiple, that acquisition was now was free. Yeah, it didn't cost you anything because you're going to roll that right into your business. And so it's just one of those white girl man. It just is. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what if a lot of people know yeah. that? I don't think they do. No, it's and it, it's really interesting just to think about that. And I think the the bigger company you are, the more leverage you have, the more mm-hmm. opportunities you have. And whether that's public or private money or, or whatever it is, the multiples are bigger. So if you're a ten million dollar company you're going to trade at one multiple, or if you have 10, $1 million companies, those are going to trade at a lower multiple. Well, what if you mm-hmm. took those 10, $1 million companies and rolled them together and now you have a 10 and it's, it's not that easy because there's integration. There's, there's other things. So don't think yeah. that I'm saying you just yeah, buy yeah. these and stick them together and sell them. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole lot of steps missing between those two points. Yeah. Just thinking about ways that you can increase a multiple and how you do that. But that was a real light bulb moment for me. And what was that? Uh, it's called IT services. Okay. Okay. Did a mortgage outsourcing business where we outsourced the uh, loans, big refi boom, but outsourced mortgage mm-hmm. lending for smaller banks, credit unions, regional banks, things like that, that, that didn't really have a, a mortgage department. It's a project that started as an MBA project, sitting in class and because I was buying real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there's most mortgages are originated by some bank and then they're sold off to Fannie Mae. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right, right. you can only have a total of 10 with Fannie Mae. So then you're starting to look for other companies who what's called portfolio their loans. And so they actually hold them, they don't sell yep. them or they sell them to private investors or other things. And so I'm talking about in, in class, talking to somebody who worked for a, a big mortgage lender. And I was like, I'm, I want to do more deals, but running into some hurdles and just being able to do them fast enough. And he's like, tell me about it. Because I'm working for this big mortgage lender and we're taking 90, 120 days, 180 days to close wow. a loan. It's like, wow. Is there a way that we can solve this? And uh, he's like, yeah, I've got, the, I've got a really good idea of how to do it, but nobody will listen. Like, Sweet. And then launched and, and that was just grew out of that. And so able to go out and, and you know, crowdsource data. If we built this, what would you like to see in it? And then be able to go back to them a few months later and go, hey, we built this. And it's exactly what you said you wanted. That's cool. Uh, so that was a, a lot of fun. SaaS company called Sentinel. And that was a CRM specifically in the accounts receivable management space. And that kind of led into what I'm doing today at Intelligent Contacts. And that Sentinel, we did the, the core CRM. And had a lot of partners for the the ancillary solutions, the the telephony, the communications, the payments, and you know, data, everything around that. And we did the core software. And so, so that the idea, and it was an early SaaS company. Mm. You know, back before SaaS was even SaaS, it's called right. ASP. Right. Way, way, way back. So that's dating myself there. But so did Sentinel become Intelligent Contacts, which is the company you run? No, now? it didn't. One of the things that because we were partnering with companies around that for the other technology, so we had the, the core CRM piece, and none of the like the the communications, none of that was SaaS. Okay. And it's like 
why isn't it? And so kind of the thought process of we've got a SaaS CRM, why not build a communications piece SaaS? And so the plans started to do that. And the more I thought about it, the more it made a lot more sense to exit there and build it independent. So instead of being tied to that one particular CRM, Mm. now we can build it independently for the cloud and work with hundreds of CRMs. Mm. Systems like that. And it just made a lot more sense to do that. And so I did. And that's that's where Intelligent Contacts came from. And then our subsidiary, Intelligent Payments, does all of the payment processing around that. Because we're we're facilitating conversations and we're processing payments. And so those two things fit together really well. And so I, I, from the very beginning, broke a rule of really focus on one service, one market, one, although okay. the big okay. one. And so I did I too. Tell everybody now. So something, should I have done that? Eh. Looking back, I probably would have done it differently because, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I would have stuck with the one and then okay. added partnered or done something like that and then grown into it, but tried to launch both of those at the same time. And, and ultimately it worked but not without a lot of pain. Mm. But uh, yeah, I bet really, it, really well. But it was a lot of yeah. growing pains. But yeah, it's, <clears throat> they do complement each other though. So that's good. Like you didn't go from one and then come something that's completely disconnected. They are hand in hand with each other. So I imagine that yes. helped yes. at least a little. Right. And that was really the thought process of, of being able to build them together because one feeds the other. Yeah. Mm. But you had to learn both at the same time which and grow both of them. Right. Yeah. I'd never been in telephony. I'd never been in communications. I'd never been in payments. <laughs> Welcome to the world. I mean, it's, it's one of those things of, uh, this goes back to, the, is it courage or is it stupidity? Yeah. Yeah. Courageous stupidity. Right, That's what right. we'll go with. Because <laughs> people will say to just stick to what you know and grow that way. But you're saying, well, you don't have to do that. Right, right. And there's definitely a learning curve, but there, you know, every time, every successive company, I've taken the lessons from before, and it's not necessarily just the tactics, but it's really the lessons in what worked and, and what didn't, and how can I how can I carry that forward in across industries? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, not a lot of people move into multiple industries, and probably been in fifteen or twenty of them yeah. over the the years. But when you do that, there's something that's really old in one industry is brand new in another one. Nobody's ever heard of it. It's revolutionary. Right. And so being able to take some of those things mm-hmm. and, and port them over, and it wasn't necessarily intentional early. I was, it was the tool set I had and I, I didn't know any different. So I just wow. took that and used it and it worked. And then it was probably the, the third one in, I went, Oh, I see what I'm doing here. And now it, it becomes more intentional of, I can take these and these, these things are, are really common here. But if I'm in this industry and do it this way, nobody's doing that. So um, one of those was like usage-based pricing. Yeah, okay. case of intelligent contacts. And that was you know, 12 years ago. Everybody else was selling seats. Yeah. And we would show up on, on RFPs and proposals. What's your seat price? Zero. Mm-hmm. Unlimited users, unlimited everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like mind blown. And yeah. they had to talk to us. And so that was one of the reasons that I did it is... To, to start the conversation because it's like this company we never heard of just gave us a proposal for zero. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're like, explain this to us. How does this work? And you know, so that was one of the things that we did that was very different. We did uh, billing. If you look at in most of our competitors' bills, it's 15 pages long and a whole bunch of ancillary charges and this and that. 
And for ours, it's one number and that's it. Yeah. And, and that was, again, very intentional of just cutting through the fluff, no seat fees, usage-based pricing. Mm. You use it more, then we make more. We're, our goals are aligned. We all want you to do better. And when you use it more, when you're right. successful, then we all make money. Right. And uh, that really resonated and helped us get some traction, especially early on. That's cool. Is that still a unique idea in your space, usage-based pricing? Less, there, there are competitors that do that as well now. They've okay. gone away from seat prices or they'll do seat price plus usage. And mm. I think that, that's an interesting model too. Okay. I mean, that, that's, PayPal started that way. Like that's how all the, it was, it was sure. microtransactions, right? I mean, that's where yeah. that money was made. Wow. So, so I see, go ahead. When did you, how have you been doing IC, intelligent contacts? Yeah. You're the one you, Yes. It's been 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a long time. And, and so when we're talking to SaaS founders who maybe they're around a million in revenue, what, is, what, what should be a normal growth trajectory? When, how, I mean, if there is, maybe there's not, but sure. you've experienced this at least five times where you've gotten, well, probably more than five times to a million, but when you're going from a million to 10 million and that sort of thing, what makes sense? And when do you know, for instance, when you should pivot, change directions or do something different? Yeah. Maybe you're at a growth ceiling. Like when do you know what to do next? Yeah, those are two different questions. One is how do you, how fast should you grow? Mm. And yeah, I'll give you that, the marketing answer. It depends. <laughs> there are companies when you're, when you're small, growing 100% a year, that's easy. When you get to 5 million, 10 million, 100% a year, that gets a lot harder. Mm. Can some companies do it? Absolutely, they do, and they do you know, way more than that. Yeah, I think it's, we've gotten to, in, in SaaS, many people have heard of it, it's the golden ratio, the rule of 40. And, and so essentially what that is, is that your growth rate plus your profit should equal 40. So if you're growing 40%, you can be zero profit. If you're growing 20%, you need 20% profit. If you're growing 50%, you can lose 10%. Mm. If you're growing 100%, then you, know, you, you can lose 60 Yeah, And it gets a little bit weird. I think losing money is always a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Fundamentals matter. I love bootstrap founders for a whole lot of reasons. Um, but really focusing in and, and figuring that out, what is a reasonable growth rate? And, and you do hit those ceilings. And, and on the journey from one to 10, there's, there are at least three of those. Mm. Uh, there, there's one around one that pushing past that million dollar mark is hard. And once you get past that, the next one is three. And getting past three is hard. Most companies will get stuck somewhere around five to six as well. And depending on where that is, somewhere between seven, eight, and then 10. 10 is another one. Once you hit 10, you're in a much better position to move forward. You can handle ups and downs a lot better. You can handle variability in the market. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot, a lot of other pressures, whether those be financial, whether those be, um, I'll say, you know, just the, the, the macro economy, things yeah. changing, competitors. You just got a little bit more, more cushion, a little bit more margin, especially if you're profitable. If you're still losing money and you're, you're $10 million and you're going out to raise a, a B round or 
It just it baffles me that companies are raising like D, E, and F rounds. I mean, how about we build a model that scales and makes money? What? I mean, yeah, if, you, if you give us a call, okay? That's crazy. <laughs> we want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a $200 million E round. I'm like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, if, if you look at, I mean, your current company too, right? CLG, we'll get in that in a second. But you look at the, sure. it's all about ships, right? So the when you're, well, as you're talking, I'm thinking John Bow, right? Maybe then maybe a 21 footer, then a 20, and then eventually like yep. a cruise ship. And if you think about the waves, giant, giant cruise ship or barge does this with giant swells. But if you were in that John Bow, you'd be hurting, mm-hmm. right? And, right. And, and a minor right. change, like if you can get your potatoes cheaper, right? Just one yeah. on, on a cruise ship, it's a giant impact. Versus right. on a smaller ship. So I think that's a yeah, very small changes yeah. have huge impacts. I mean, the bigger you get that, yeah. that's uh, absolutely true. Yeah. That's not a good way for me to picture it in my head. I like that. <laughs> it's a good picture. Yeah. I mean, it fits. So talk about the, cause let's say you're a founder at 1 million. It sounds nice. It's like, Hey, if I can get to 10 million, things will level out. But as you said, there are some growth challenges or some common ceilings where growth seems to be stopping, and it's probably sure. for different reasons. So if we had to start at $1 million, could you take us through the common ceilings, what they are, and how you can overcome those? Sure. And, and they're different for different companies. We started building a list, I don't know, four or five years ago, and it started with kind of 10 things. And, and over time, that's grown. And some of them can be consolidated. But right now, the list sits at, at basically 52 discrete problems wow. that companies hit on the growth, cha- growth trajectory. Wow. And so they'll, they'll get to $3 million. And then uh, a lot of times, you know, there's, there's a shift there. Uh-huh. And I'll say, you know, say one, one to three is, is challenging because you're moving away probably from founder-led sales. You're really understanding, do I have product market fit? You're looking at some bigger competitors. But one of the biggest challenges is you're building out a team between one and three. And it could be executive team. You, you got your first 10, 15 hires, maybe. Some of the SaaS companies today, I mean, you're, you're running it, you know, you're, you're getting to 10 million with three people. And I think that, that's really, really unique, but, but pretty cool too. Yeah. Very, very lean. But at some point, you're going to be adding people. And one of the big challenges that happens is founders don't let go. And so you, you bring somebody in and they'll, they'll either hire somebody because they're cheap and that's who they can afford. They, if they're funded, they will hire somebody that was some big hot shot at another company. And again, some of those things transfer over, but it's not the same thing to just, I was awesome at PayPal and now I'm going to come do that for your company. Completely different worlds between multi-billion dollar company or even a hundred million dollar company, fifty million dollar company, and two. Mm. The things that, that you do in 20, 30, 50, way different. And if you try and do those at two, it, they'll absolutely fall apart. Right. And so two mistakes. One is, is hiring somebody because they're cheap. They don't necessarily have the, the right skills, the right talent. The second is hiring the hot shot. The third is hiring somebody that is good because you want to hire people that are better than you always. Right. And so you hire somebody that's good, but then you don't let them do their thing. You're really holding on to it. And that is so difficult to do as a founder. 
And, and I know this stuff and I don't think I've ever let anything go without just leaving claw marks all over it. And it's, it's difficult even today. And I know it's the right thing to do, but I don't want to let it go. And a lot of first time founders are like that because nobody will do it as good as I do. Mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why you hired somebody better is because they could do it better than you. Uh, but that's just that the feeling is, is it's not going to be done right. It's not going to be done. And that happens a lot. It's not done right. Or it's not done at all or, or not done well because you hired somebody that didn't have the skills. Right. Uh, if you do hire somebody with the skills, then well, they're not doing it my way. And my way is not necessarily the right way. It's not necessarily the best way. But it's, it's really doing that. But the other mistake is just throwing it over the fence and going, cool, got that handled, done. And, and then you just throw it over there. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But there's no accountability. There's no check-in. You're not inspecting the expectations. So yeah. you're just like, here's the expectation and see you in a year. Yep. And but- that's really hard to do. And a lot of founders, they'll, they'll do this. They'll hire somebody that's not good. And have a bad experience and then they hire somebody that is good or they hire the hot shot and have a bad experience and they hire somebody that's good and like this hiring stuff doesn't work i don't know how to make this transition i mean that i know we're talking to founders but that is in the corporate world too i mean any management sure. leadership position if you haven't had the proper training skills or aptitude in general i see that where i am right now i won't say the name but where i am right now we have a guy and he is a manager of the team and he doesn't let go and we hired somebody on purpose and that person's not able to do their job like they should because it's like they got a constant bear hug everywhere they go <laughs> it's like it's like <laughs> I, I i'm more of a here's the fence you can do what you need to within the fence here are your boundaries and your guidelines and he's more of a you gotta do it this way what are you doing why are you doing it he's like it's i see it all the time right i mean it, it, it hap- it's a you said this before too your 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 company never outgrows your the, the CEO founder leader because they can Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, it just it just doesn't that's one of the reasons that as leaders we have to continue to develop. Mm-hmm. We never we never get there. Right. We never have arrived. We never know everything we need to know. We never are who we need to be. We we've still got to grow. We've still got to grow into that role and and become something more so that our team becomes more and the company becomes something more. Right. So that's the going from founder-led sales and, and, and building a team. That's just a big challenge. And that challenge usually causes a revenue stall around one, two, three, something like that. Is that correct? Yeah, usually it's, it's, there'll, there'll be one at one. And then at three, there, there's almost always one. And, and that's a, a real common thing. But again, I mean, 52 different reasons. Every company is a little bit different. <laughs> The, the cool thing is just with the, the list, you've got some, some ways that we diagnose and, and figure out what is the root issue. It, it, so often I think we treat the symptoms and we're like, okay, here, here's the problem. I need, I need more leads. Okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you doing with those? What's the sales process? What's the close rate? What, is, what does marketing look like? You know, what are you doing? Yeah, how are those coming in? And, and if the rest of it's broken... We right. can add as many to the front end as possible, and it's still broken. And mm-hmm. so it's really just asking the questions and figuring out, okay, is that the root cause? Is there something else that needs to happen in there? Is there something else that needs to change? And just because you've seen this so many times, we've got the, the list, we can go, okay, is it this? Is it this? Mm-hmm. Ah, maybe it's this. And then we're going to dig down a little bit deeper 
And we want to go multiple layers deep so we're not treating symptoms up here. That's the easy thing to do. Right. Yeah, I need a quick fix in the playbook. I need to and, yeah. and we've done that. Here, here's a, a funnel. Okay, this is our new funnel. It's like, no, 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 no. Time out. Yeah. You need to figure out how that fits into what you're doing, not just yeah. cut paste. Yeah. And yeah, so that that's you know, a, a bit of a challenge. But figuring out it's we hear it all the time. You know, I need more leads. I'm the world's best kept secret. Uh, why? Uh-huh. Is it the message? Is because uh, you can go out there and you can quadruple lead generation capacity. But if the message isn't right, then we've just wasted that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to make sure that we're treating root causes and not just the, the issues at the, the surface and really digging down. What is the, the problem that we're trying to fix? What's the outcome that we're looking for? And what's the, the quickest path we can get from here to that outcome? Okay. So on your growth, let's just talk with your most recent sales company, Intelligent Contacts that you run now. Can you tell us about, you know, how many employees do you have now? We're 100-ish. 100-ish. So you have 100-ish employees, but it, back in the early days, it was not that way. And so on, on, your, on your route to where you are now, can you talk about a specific situation where there was a, a ceiling, there was a challenge, it was like things are stuck and I don't know why, and then you had to figure it out. And what? how did you manage that? There are always those, and, and there are a lot of constraints along the way. So it's figuring out we, we made some mistakes in, in hiring in the, the direction. We became, for a while, very, I'll say product-led where, or very development-led, where development was driving everything in the organization. It was by far the biggest. Mm-hmm. So if you look at... And, and when was, you know, at what stage were you at then this, for this problem? Uh, we're fairly early, say between one and you know one and two million, okay. one and three million, and and very very tech heavy, mm-hmm. and thinking that you know the the problem is that we need to build more stuff, and we built and built and built and built. I don't know if you've seen the, the multiple levels deep. What is the movie? Leonardo DiCaprio. In- at the oh, top. it's Inception. Yeah. Inception. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, and, and you got multiple levels deep. So building all this stuff. And so it's like we're multiple levels deep. We're building all this stuff, and nobody's that many levels deep with us. Mm. Uh, but if you, you look at companies in, in that stage, where should your spend be? Sales and marketing, admin, development, those kinds of things. And, and we were just backwards on sales and development. And so it's like, why are sales not happening? Well, because we're putting all the resources over here, and we're building mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff, and we got nobody to tell the world about it. Like, right. Huh. Maybe if we shift that and put more focus on telling the world about what we have, then we'll build smarter. We'll stop building a bunch, bunch of stuff that's never going to be used. Right. Whether they're internal or, I mean, you, you ask a developer, should we buy it? Should we build it? They always say build it. Build it, yeah. <laughs> Don't ask them. Don't ask them that question. But, you know, really, you know, resource allocation. Something as simple as that. So it, it, was, it wasn't that the message wasn't right. It wasn't we needed more leads. It, it was we're focusing on the wrong things. And so for where yeah. we are, for where we want to go, for revenue is here and we want to get here, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. It's not build more stuff. It is take a sh- you know, shift there and focus on sales and really get that machine working, get the flywheel going. So it seems so obvious now, but how did you, how did you figure that out in the moment? 
was like, what did it just come to you one day or what happened? Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. It's, it's having conversations. I think one of the things that is, is really, really healthy is having relationships with other founders mm. and, and be able to, to talk about what's going on, some of the challenges and, and have that, you know, place of, of psychological safety where they're not going to laugh at you. They're not going to go in. You suck. Yeah, because uh, there's, there's lots of other places that we can get yeah. that as founders. But you know, the, the, you know they're willing to, and, and I love the SaaS community because yeah, right. they're very willing to have those conversations and mm -hmm. work together. And I mean, even somebody you might say is a, a competitor is we're, we're very friendly competitors mm -hmm. for the most part, and have those conversations. And, and it's like a rising tide lifts all boats, and we want everybody to do really well. And so we have those conversations. Hey, I'm really looking at this. What what am I not seeing that you see in my business? And they're like, and go, why is your development budget twice what your sales budget is? Mm. Because it's like, oh, maybe the reason we don't have sales is because we're spending way too much on one area and not enough in another. Thank you. Hello. So that was a conversation. Yeah, it's with really really good. You know, there's having other people to bounce ideas off of that can help you shift perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and just ask questions of why are you doing it this way? Maybe there's a reason, maybe there isn't. Maybe it's just, so I've been looking at it this way and they just turn it like this. Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, it was right there in front of me, but I never saw it that way before. And right. there's, there's so often that, that that happens in those conversations of other people are doing things different ways or, hey, I've solved this. I had the same problem and I solved it this way. Those are, are just absolute gold. So another founder helped you to see that. Is that right? Yes. yes. And that was a SaaS founder? Yes. Yep. Okay. So he took okay. a map well, and he went. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, That's it. look at that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we're just looking at it and we'll, you know, let's, let's dig into it. And sometimes as founders, it's really difficult to, to look at our businesses objectively mm -hmm. because we're, we're living in them we're living in that yeah. forest yeah. and it takes somebody else from a little outside perspective to look at it and go what's that tree right there next to you and you're like huh i've been looking for a giant oak tree look hey, look it's a pine tree <laughs> did you mean the one i'm leaning on that one <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah okay so how did you know this this founder uh, we're in a, a mastermind group together okay okay very cool so that that is a good maybe place to to pivot and start talking about what you're doing with Champion Leadership Group. Yeah, sure. Because I mean, just exactly what you said. You're stuck at one or two million, and there's this thing that's glaringly obvious to appear, and you just can't see it. Mm -hmm. And so when you were after you had that conversation, how quick quickly did you overcome the growth obstacle? Within a couple of months, it took a little bit of time to make the shift. But it was it was immediate, and knew that it was something that that we needed to do. I mean, it just it it made so much sense. Right. How long um, would it have taken you to notice it yourself? To notice you were going the wrong way. <laughs> I think I mean, it probably would have looked at a hundred other things hmm. first, just because I mean you don't want to say I, I don't want my development team because they're really really good. Right. And, and big and, and that kind of thing. I don't want to. I don't want to reduce that. So there's got to be another solution because mm -hmm. reducing it means I made a bad decision. It means I failed somewhere. It's true. I don't want to admit that. Yep. 
It's true, yeah. too. So we look for those other things instead of looking at taking that responsibility and going, yeah, this this one's on me. This this mm-hmm. was I, I let this get out of hand. And I can tell you exactly when I did it, exactly when I increased that budget. And at the time, I was thinking, we'll probably grow into it. Mm. It is just, you know, looking back, it was like, I know exactly, I could tell you the, the month and year I made the decision. And, and that was, it was a bad decision. Yeah. I should have held, held that budget where it was mm-hmm. and right. allocated resources as we continue oh, the to grow. Grow your so, dev. Uh, yeah. 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 Right? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you ask anybody, yeah, any, any managers, you start hiring team and you ask anybody, what do you need? 100% of the time. We need more people. Yeah. We need more people. We need more people. We need more people. Sometimes, I mean, people are really, really helpful, mm-hmm. uh, but it can get out of control. And for some managers, especially you know newer managers, and, and this is true, big companies. I mean, DJ, tell me if this is right. <laughs> One of the their measures of success is how big their team is. Yep. Oh, I've got twenty five people on my team. Hundred <laughs> percent. And uh, that can happen with founders too. Yeah, is we can have those the same types of, of thoughts of how big is your team? Oh, my team is so big because lots of people means lots of activity means lots of revenue. But then, Maybe. are they all really productive? Do you really need exactly. all those people? And, and we've seen that the big tech purge, twenty twenty three. Yeah, how do you get rid of seventy percent of your company and be okay? What were they doing? Is that Twitter? And that, that happens. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, that was That's Twitter. Yeah, it, it was eighty percent. Eighty percent. Oh yeah, my he goes, god! It, it, and he goes, he goes. Apparently, eighty percent weren't really doing very much. Like that, that was his answer. That's amazing. How does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, it, I mean, it's true. Like, I, not how efficient they are, not what they're producing, but how big they are is another is is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. You get people and they measure that they're measuring the wrong things mm-hmm. instead yeah. of having true KPIs, really what is it that they're responsible for? Mm-hmm. What do they, they measure for success? They don't necessarily know. So we're busy. We're doing a bunch of stuff. We're hiring people. We need lots of people. And that's one of the ways that as a manager, I judge my worth. My value to the company is because I have a big team. Mm-hmm. My team's bigger than yours. So therefore <laughs> yeah. I'm more important. Yeah. And it's, it's not healthy. Right. Yeah. So that's another example. Twitter, a different founder came in. I mean, he bought it obviously, but he had a totally different perspective and he was like, Hey, we can cut all of this. And he made that decision within the first couple of weeks. I think. Yeah. 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 He said, said, apparently when you don't censor everything, you don't need as many people. Right, we're not working for the government. <laughs> yeah, censoring everything and controlling. Anyways, we won't go there. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, uh, yeah. back to Jeff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. You found you found success. I mean, intelligent context continues to grow at a steady yeah. clip. But you found a lot of help getting over those first baby steps of one million to two million, and then and then growing past there from a mentorship from a or a mastermind. Tell sure. us about Champion Leadership Group. Mm-hmm. How did it start? Why did you decide to yep. do the thing that helped you? Because you're also doing yeah. other things. Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's one of the things that, that I absolutely love, uh, where we came from and, and what we do. And, and it started 10 years ago and working with a, a few founders and, and them going, hey, can you help me with this? Okay, sure. 
And then that grows into a few more and a few more. And I'm just like completely tapped out, but I love it. Because one of the reasons that I've been successful has been mentors. Mm. And that's a, a huge mm. part of my story and my journey has been mentors and just a huge part of my success. And so I've had those at times. I've not had those at other times. Vast difference in you know productivity and, and you know acceleration. And because I've had that and the value it had, I wanted to to shift that. And I was tapped out working one on one, and so shifted the, into more of a, a group model where we're results focused. And so it's not just throw you into a giant content portal, watch all our awesome stuff because it's awesome and we made it. But it, it's about results. It's about how do we get steady results you know, month after month after month after month consistently over time. So not trying to boil the ocean, but how can we make progress constantly mm. every single month throughout the entire year? So results focused, mentor guided. And so that is myself and my experience plus other people that are part of our group that have experience in specific areas, whether that's marketing or sales or consulting or HR or hiring or technical recruiting. I mean, so many different areas of, of expertise within that. So if you're looking for a fractional whatever, fractional C, CFO, CMO, uh, whatever it is, I mean, that's, that's part of what we do in being mentor-guided is provide those types of, of services and solutions. Mm -hmm. It's just part of, a part of what we do. So results-focused, mentor-guided, and then peer-supported. And that's really the, the mastermind aspect, that the mentoring. And so it's not just working with me, not just working with other people, other you know, guides in the group, but also with peers. Because we're on the journey together. Being an entrepreneur, being a founder can be really, really lonely. Yeah. And sometimes we don't have a board. Right. Sometimes we don't have a big team. Sometimes we do have a board and we can't talk to them about anything. I've yeah, had yeah. good boards, bad boards, no boards. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it can be really lonely because good you board. can't necessarily talk to your team about everything. can't talk to your board about everything. Right. Uh, you could talk to friends and family and they're like, I don't really get what you do. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just go get a job? <clears throat> yeah, true. <laughs> but then you're in I'm a so group stressed. of other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you go through all that stress? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you have a group of people that are on that journey together with you. They're going through the same things. They've been through some of the same things that you're going through. And you've been through some of the same things that they're going through. Right. And yeah. so now you have that alignment where you're, you're there together. And I think that is, is where the magic happens is, is when we're, we're working together, we're helping each other, we're moving forward. And that's, that's really where Champion Leadership Group started. It started with just a few and, and grew out of that just from, from a time perspective and a lot more value because I can still do the one-on-one, -on -one, but there's so much more value in doing it as a group because I don't know everything. Right. Right. I don't know everything. I mean, the more I learn, the, the more I realize that I know like this much, maybe yep. less. Yeah. But there are people that have expertise and they can tell you exactly what is working in their field, whether that's marketing and ads in branding in messaging and packaging and pricing. I mean, so much deeper than, than what I know or what I could tell you, because I, I could do it here and they can go really, really deep. Yeah. And so it, it's having that perspective is so helpful. And then just, again, that, that peer aspect, things that you would never, ever get one-on-one. -on -one. And yeah. uh, just that 
huge value. And that, that's what we want to do. I want to you know, be the mentor that uh, I wish I'd had in the early days and, and did at go. times. Uh, and then be able to, to help other people on their journey. And the goal is to help a, a thousand SaaS companies hit that $10 million mark or, or more. And so it's, it's you know, $10 billion in, in economic value in that. And it's not just, not just revenue. It's not just growing. It's not just exiting. Some people want to exit and that's awesome and help you do that at a premium valuation because those are out there and there's, yeah. there's things that make business more valuable than others. And so we want to do that. There's others that they want to hold on. I had a founder a little while back. It's like, I'm at, you know, 14, 15 million. I don't want to sell. I'm like, well, then don't freaking sell. Yeah. There's nothing that says you have to do that. There's yeah. no, nothing that says, you know, we got to get to five and, and we're going to, we're going to flip or 10 or, you know, 20 and we're going to hold on. There's, there are no rules. It's what do you want to do? And it's building a business that serves you as a, a leader, as a founder, uh, your family. Mm -hmm. But it's not just about revenue. It's about how can we give back? It's about freedom and building epic lives. So you know, what good is it to work 80 hours a week and never have any fun? Yeah. And the idea is, well, I'm going to do this now. And I'm going to put everything else on the back burner, uh -huh. family, hobbies, anything, friends. And I'm going to completely focus on the business now. Maybe it makes it, maybe it doesn't. But even if it does, let's say five years from now, you exit. And now you get a bunch of money. Yay. Yeah. You right. wasted five years. Yeah. five years of family, five years of friends, five years of, of being able to do things. So I want, I want people to, to build amazing businesses, yeah. but also create epic lives. And what does yeah. that mean? It, it's you know, define it. And what does that mean to you as a founder? Is it travel? Is it family? Is it being able to coach you know, your kids in sports? You yeah. Know, my dad did that for me. I, I get to do that with my kids. And, and it's really, really fun. And just the, the bonds that you build and, and the relationships. And that is absolutely priceless. A million dollars here, there, that, that's cool. Building family and having relationships and, and kids that are doing awesome and, and things like that. I mean, that, that is absolutely priceless. And sometimes people can chase the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And they get it and they have that big exit. And like, wow, I got $10 million and I'm alone. Yeah. And... Now what? Yeah. Well, probably they might just start another company. What was your experience? That's all they know. It I mean, you, you had that experience several times over. Let's sure. talk about the first time you had a big exit. What, I was gonna hit. I was gonna hit. Through your head, yeah. I was gonna hit on that too because it's one thing to grow it. It's another thing. Like some some people that we've talked to don't even realize exit is an option right they just they just want to grow sure. All, they're only on that one growth trajectory and they don't realize setting yourself up for an exit is important right and i know from my own experience right. talking to you about some of my endeavors and ventures that i've looked at you've helped me considerably with just the knowledge you've done because you've you've exited great and you've exited not so great on some other ones yeah so yeah. you've lived and learned and yeah i think that's that's a good point like that'd be a good story to talk about yeah, what do you do when you, you exit? And, and for me, the, the first really big one, I took two years off. Spent time with my kids and, and coached sports. You know, got to take them to school every morning. You know, spend time in the, the gym. And you know, it was one of those things that you know, I thought it was cool. I'm semi-retired, you know, at 28, 29 years old. And, and I quickly realized that Everybody else is still working. Everybody's yeah. doing stuff and like yeah. nobody to hang out with. 
Yeah. So it's like, well, maybe I should actually do something else. And I did, you know, took time up, really, really enjoyed that. And it was, it's not something I would, I would ever trade. I mean, that, that time. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it's important to, to do that all along, not just in, in chunks, but to be able to have, you know, a couple of years and, and really spend time with, with my kids while they were young and spend time with my wife and do fun things. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's but the other, had, to, had to do it again. I saw, saw a need. Yeah. Because you, you did, am I right in saying that you went the family route before you went really hardcore into building businesses? Yeah. I got married young, 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Whereas some people will go the opposite. Hey, I need to build a career. I need to get a lot of money first, feel really stable and have time to invest. What would you say to those kinds of people? Well, I mean, do what works for you. Yeah. But don't sacrifice now for someday maybe. If you find yourself saying, someday I will, why not now? Yeah. Someday I'll get married. Someday I'll have a family. Someday I'll travel. Someday I will be happy. Mm. What's wrong with today? Yeah. Don't, time is the most precious thing that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the world's full of money. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll come, it'll go, but time, we only have so much of that and how we spend that, how we spend our days, how we invest that is, is absolutely priceless. And there's, there's nothing, you know, nobody on their, their deathbed ever looks back and goes, wow, I wish I'd worked more. We yeah. had spent more time in the office. <laughs> yeah. what, what are the things that are really important? And if you're saying someday, maybe, or someday I will think about that. Someday, are you going to look back and say, wow, I wish I had? Yeah. I, never want to, I, I never want to die wondering what if. Right. I want to take the action and find out what if. Yeah, I want to do it now, not, not wait, and, and someday maybe then I will. Finding that balance of, of living right now and not living for the future, I think that's a struggle for, for a lot of people. Is that something that was that you got help from in your experience with like masterminds, mentorships and stuff like that as well? Or was it all mostly business? I think it was masterminds. It was mentors that really, you know, showed me just really, really good life lessons in, you know, and I would say that, I mean, it's how to live. I mean, it's life lesson. Yeah. Running your, your life like a, like a business, you know, is this something that, that, that you want to do? Then, you know, it, it's not asking the question of, can I do this? It's how can I? It's finding a way. If we were going to go to Disney World, cool thing. Well, how could we do that? Not someday. Someday we will. Mm-hmm. Someday when we we have money. Someday when I exit. Someday when I whatever have kids. Uh, why not now? What is it that you can do now? And it's not not making dumb decisions. It's not you know, just saying we're going to put it on a card. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I'm not making dumb financial decisions. But, you know, what is it that makes you happy? What is it that it makes yeah. you fulfilled? Yeah. And why can't you do that now? Why is it someday that, that you do that? Why not, why not today? Hmm. I remember I sent you a clip of uh, Mark Cuban talking about mentors. I think it was some ad or something. I'm not sure. But he was like, mentors are good, but uh, you really got to figure it out on your own. <laughs> And I was like, okay, interesting perspective. I've heard that from, from quite a few people that it's like, there's nobody, nobody's going to save you. 
you like a lot of people will sell a mentorship or a mastermind or something is like, Hey, you can't yeah. do this on your own. You need us. And I think the, the opposing voice is like, you actually have to do it yourself. Where do you come down on that line? And what would you say to that clip of Mark Cuban talking about mentors aren't that useful? I think it's both. I think mentors, there are times where they're, they're not, you know, have they actually done what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, or is it, you know, it's, it's the, the 22 year old life coach yeah. that, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Have, they, have, they, have they actually done it? Have they yeah, done it multiple yeah. times? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have, have, they, have they walked there? And I think there's a lot of lessons that we can learn. Yeah. So Mark Cuban says mentors aren't that helpful. Yeah. Has, has he ever had a, a good mentor, somebody that, that really you know, had been there and could show him how to do things? Has he ever read a book? Has he ever seen speakers? Of course. Yeah. And I think all of those play a role. And yeah. so we learn from a lot of different places and mentors can sometimes help us see things differently. They mm -hmm. can help us synthesize information. It can just be a sounding board. Yeah. And so there are definitely things that you have to learn on your own. There are a lot of things if you try and learn on your own, friend Keith Cunningham, outstanding author, absolutely brilliant guy. Uh, he calls it paying the dumb tax. And, and I've talked about that in, in other podcasts is I've paid a lot of dumb tax. And because I tried to do it on my own yeah, and, and you can do that, but you end up, it's, it's a lot more expensive. It's a lot slower, but if I can talk to somebody who is doing it now or has done it or has done it multiple times, then we can probably shortcut that process and get to where we want to go a lot faster because we know some things that don't work and we have some good ideas of some things that do work. And I think that, that mastery is yeah, anybody can look at something and say, hey, this worked once in this company one time. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes mm -hmm. they'll take that and, and sell that as here is the way. Yeah, yeah. But I think mastery is being able to look at something and and we know six different ways that it can yep. work, six different possibilities, and say these two are probably in this situation probably the most likely to get you the result you want. And of those two, I think this one is the first one to try. And here's how we'll know if it's working or if it's not really quickly. That's, that's way different than, you know, the, the, you know, a, a mentor where it's like just encouragement or, or go get them. And I think that that's yeah. important. Somebody who did it once, one time in one way. Yeah. Yeah. It feeds into what I've, I think like I've called him like the anti-guru before because right, you, yeah. but seriously, because when we've asked you questions or anybody's asked you questions, well, this person said this and you go, maybe. And what about this? Should I go this way? Maybe. Right. That That's really your answer is like, they're all right and they're all wrong at the same time. Right. And I've seen right. that before with you. You're like, yeah, all of those ones you've said are right, but they're also all wrong because it depends on where you are as the founder, owner, business <laughs> you know, leader, because you like one might make more sense than the other. And that's where I've learned from you over the over the years it's like i've asked you questions you're like no not for you for them but not for you right or maybe right because you're like the maybe guru to me it's like <laughs> you you have you have insight in all of these different arenas and that's right. i don't think people i don't think that can comes across all the time and i it's important right so anyway well that's like sales methodology which one's the best exactly. yes <laughs> yeah. they yeah, all right. work Right. You know, is it challenger selling? Is it spin selling? Is it selling to veto? Is right. it consultative selling? Is it Miller? Is it Miller Hyman? 
Is it? Yeah, there's a dozen more. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Gap selling. Yep. Do they work? Yes, they all do. Mm-hmm. But it depends. Is it account-based marketing? Mm-hmm. All of those work in the right place. Right. But if you, if you, you know, see somebody speak or you read a book and you go, this is the new way. I'm going to take yeah, this yeah. and put it into my company. It might work. Yeah. Yeah. Is it fit? And it's really taking a step back. Okay. Who's the market? Who is it that we're selling? How do they want to buy? Right. How do they, how are they used to processing? What does their, their buy cycle look like? What is their, is it a complex sale is, I mean, there's so many different things feed into that. Right. And so which methodology is the best? <clears throat> It depends, and it's, but it's choosing the right one for your business and your product and, most importantly, your buyer. And when you can back into it and look at it that way, okay, figure out who that, the, the ICP is. How do they buy? What is it? Do they buy by committee? Is it one person? Mm-hmm. What type of role is it? Where do they hang out? You know, and, and you can back into what is the right methodology that fits that. Yeah. And, and that, I think, is really important. Instead of just chasing the, the shiny objects of, oh, I heard this thing. I saw this podcast. I saw this interview with somebody. I read this article on TechCrunch. Yeah, yeah. That's the ticket. No, it's not. But it's, it's really hard as a leader not to chase those shiny objects. Yeah. And, and I do it. Right, we do it. yeah. We all do it. Yeah. yeah, there's so many. There's so many options for you to choose. There's so many people probably in your LinkedIn DMs who have a method for you or some kind of course, or, hey, hire me to do this, whatever. There's, I, we, I've said there's a lot of like methods and voices out there and choices you can make. When it comes to somebody who's evaluating, hey, should I go buy mentorship? Is that something that is worth it to me? How can they know? And even talking about champion leadership group, how can they <laughs> know what's the right choice? What's If they want to buy it, True. Where you because you have, like, let's just talk like you have, EOS, you have Champion Leadership Group has got an operating system as well that you have designed and built over the years. You have Vistage, um, right? All the little there's, yeah. there's groups out there like Vistage, right? So when somebody is evaluating this, how can you know what is going to be the best choice for you? I one look at it holistically. What do you want out of the group? If yeah. it's if it's Vistage, you've got a really good peer group. And, and, and that's it. It's hard to hold those, those C-level groups together. A lot of times they'll, they'll form and then they fall apart over a year. I was talking to somebody last week about that. They're like, I've been a part of like six of those. And they just, they go for a few months and fall apart. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, that, that happens. What is it that you want? Is it just peer? Then maybe that's a fit. If you need systems, EOS is, is a pretty good system. There, there's some things that you know, are, are not great about it. One I call death by meeting. I'm not a, a meeting person. If, if we're having a meeting, I want it to be really focused and I want a scorecard and I want to know, are we winning or are we losing? And, and I don't want to meet just to meet. Mm-hmm. I don't want to meet to have endless planning sessions. So, I mean, there are some, th- some good things about that. And there's some companies that have really good results. And uh, in EOS, I mean, there's Traction. There's a great book, Gino Wickman. If you haven't read that, take a look at it. There's some, some good things in there. And so we have some of the same elements in what we do and, and you know, not some of the other elements. But what happens is, is a company, you may start and you say implement traction. One, you need an implementer. So now you got to pay a consultant to do that. And it's designed, I think, to keep you dependent on that consultant mm-hmm. to implement it and keep going. And, and it's just, it's, I think there's a lot of time wasted through the, the process. Right. Um, so just in, in thinking about, you know, is it right for me? 
but but they do have some really good processes that's helped a lot of companies. Okay. Uh, yeah. The other side is you so EOS you're missing the peer aspect. In Vistage, you're missing the the systems and the the processes. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you had both of those and then you add on mentoring and experts on top of that? Right. And that's really what we have a leadership group. Is it what what do you want in your business? And and what we want to deliver is all three of those. So we want the mastermind, we want the, the peer aspect, uh, we want the the systems and processes that you can use in your business. And uh, and we talk about you, you have traction, now it's time to scale. And, and that's what we want to do in, in your business is, is add that mm -hmm. scale and, and take you beyond traction. So traction is, is good. Traction is product market fit. Traction is necessary. The early stages. And, and yeah. we, you know, we really want to scale beyond that. And that's what we're looking for. And I think it takes all three of those to do that. So it's meeting with other people and spending time. It is having access to systems and processes. And it's also having, having those, those fractional leaders that the mentors, the guides along the way that help you get there. So it's not just knowledge uh, knowledge is is fine chat gpt can give us that but there's so much more well you've done a lot of them and that's another thing too that we haven't touched on you've spent oh, a lot of money i'm not even going to go into a figure right? I, there you go i was gonna let you say it i was like, I was like it's yeah. been a lot of money over the years and you've done almost all of these programs because i can't think of one i've asked you about that you don't know about so <laughs> really i mean I've asked you and you're like, oh, no, don't do that. Or yeah, that's good in this. And you just, you just, you seem to know the little nuances of each one. And so building champion leadership group, you're trying to find the, what other yeah, what ones are missing and bring it all together. Those. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 What is that? What is the best? What can we take, you know, from those, what, what is really good about it and how can we integrate that into what we're doing and how can we get the time wasters and the, the fluff out yeah. And, and when I say fluff, I, I, I don't mean that we don't have fun because we absolutely do. And that, that is a key part <laughs> yeah. of what we do. It's profitable growth, impact, and freedom. And yeah. so we want that freedom. We want that fun. But there's a lot of other extraneous stuff that don't move the needle, and we can just get rid of all that. Yeah. And we'll focus on the things that move the needle, and then we're going to have a lot of fun together as well. I was going to say, you get rid of the fluff so you can have fun. Like that's, yes. <laughs> that's yes. why. Yeah. 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 Sometimes the, the greatest breakthroughs come – and having those, having that that fun time or that that downtime with other people. This last year, my my greatest breakthrough. One was on a bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto. We're doing a mastermind on a bullet train. Another one was sitting outside, you know, in in uh, in Florida. No, it's California. California. Sitting outside in California, just sitting out under an umbrella, just like hanging out, having a conversation. And you know, one of the best ideas came from that conversation. And it was just, again, it was one of those things of been thinking about this and just solidifying the thoughts and just bouncing ideas off of and rolling that around. It's like, that's it. Mm -hmm. That is what I need to go do. That's cool. That's awesome. So you've said that, I don't know if you explicitly said it, but Champion Leadership tries to take from all of these groups and all of these programs that are out there and deliver something that's a little bit more holistic. Where would you say, two questions, where would you say that Champion Leadership Group really shines? And then if somebody is listening to these episodes and they want to get help, maybe they are considering a group like ours or our group, well, specifically our group, what what could they expect when they come in, when they, when they become a part of it? Yeah, so to be a part of it, 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we want specific revenue level. Want to make sure that you have that because we're looking for is critical mass that we can accelerate. We want to do get to that scale part. So it's not just finding tractions. If it's you know ten or twenty million in ARR, twenty million, ten or twenty thousand a month in ARR. You're still finding your, your footing, but once you hit that the million dollar mark, we can really accelerate, and that's what we're looking for. So I think that's that's part of it as well. We've got lots of free resources if you're under that. Lots of free stuff, and, and it's all yours, and we want to get you to that million so you, you, you can uh, join in. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's run rate. It's like I haven't, my you know, trailing 12 months isn't a million, but I'm at 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 a month now. Is that close enough? Yeah, we're good. Let's talk. Yeah. Uh, so what can they expect? We're going to do a, a 90-day game plan. We're going to spend time together with other founders online and in person. We get together in person three times a year, sometimes four. And so I love the in-person meetings because that's where real breakthroughs happen. They have access to the, the guys and the expertise and uh, so we'll, we'll theme uh, weeks, theme months around different things. So if it's a, a marketing thing, if it's a sales thing, if it's T-related, so lots of different things, but all of that is available as well. We don't want to drown people in a content portal. And I think that's one of the things that separates us from, from some of the other ones is just here's tons of content. Good luck. It's all awesome because we made it. <laughs> and what we do want to make great content, but it's, it's about so much more than that, especially as the business continues to grow. I look at it now and I don't know that there's a lot that I could learn from a course. I mean, there are probably things, yeah. uh, but for the most part, I learn in contact with other founders, other people having conversations for what's working right now for them. And I can share what's working right now for us. And we can test things. And that's one of the things that I love about still running a SaaS company is we can test things that we're talking about in the market. So mm, if it's yeah. a marketing challenge, if it's a sales thing, if it's a, I don't know, let, let's run an experiment and see. Yeah. And I can tell you what worked and what didn't and probably why it did or why it didn't. That's true. And, and how we might do it differently next time. That's awesome. One of the last things, I mean, we can, we can keep going, but one of the last things that I wanted to let people know about is just some of the future plans we have come at. We do have some events that are actually going to be open to people who aren't in the group um, yes. coming up. So could you talk a little bit about just what we're going to be doing in 2024? Sure. We, we've laid out the calendar. It's one of the things that my coach taught me five, six years ago and has been completely free. We've laid out the calendar for the year. We know what we're going to be doing when. And one of the first things coming up will be in uh, the beginning of end of January, beginning of February. We're going to get some founders together and hang out together. So if, if this is something you're thinking about, come hang out with us. How do you know if this is the right fit for you? Try it out. I think that's one of yep. the best ways to mm -hmm. do that is, is experience what it is and, and come hang out with us. So we'll be uh, hanging out on the, the beach somewhere in uh, Florida, end of January, early February. And so come spend some time with us and, and a handful of other founders. It is not going to be a big giant thing, not a big conference where you sit and listen. It is going to be completely participation yeah, and rel relatively small. I think we'll keep this one relatively small group of founders, say maybe 10, 15, 20 at the, the most, and really focusing on the right next step for your business. And that's what we do. All the time we work, we use an agile methodology, work in specific uh, time sequence. And so we'll be doing that at this. So if that's something you're interested in, hit us up. We'd love for you to be my guest. 
you probably talk to one of these guys and, uh, and we'll get you, get you connected in yeah. and uh, get you there. So talking with some other founders and spending time and, you know, not just learning from, from me or, you know, the process, but you know, getting to know other people as well. Super helpful. Amazing. Well, does anybody have any last thoughts, any closing sentiments to leave for our listeners? As, you know, profitable growth, impact, and freedom. We're in business to, to do more than just make money. We want to leave a, an impact in the world and, and give back. Every, every founder should have something to give back to, whatever it is that you're passionate about. But profitable growth, because losing money is just dumb. We don't want to do that. To grow profitably, we want a premium valuation, we want impact and, and freedom. And I think uh-huh. that's one of the most important things. It's not someday I will, but it's, it's today. So let's make that today. And that's why I always say, enjoy the journey. So I love to end with that. It's one thing Brian Tracy said. He said, do it now. Do it now. Do it yes. now. Say, yes. that, say that every time. Do it now. And become that person and you will you'll move forward. So this is good. This is a lot of fun, man. I want to do this again. This is this is great. Yeah. This is this is I like great. what you said Definitely. at the beginning, guys. Love this team takeover. This is this is pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. I like what Jeff said at the beginning, which was if it seems really hard, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you know, yeah, it's really thing, hard, you're probably doing it wrong. And that was yeah. just that was such an epiphany for me. Yeah. It's like, yep. Another thing that I heard Jeff say, well, actually I heard somebody else start it, but it was, okay, you can either build an empire or you can have a family and you need to pick what, pick one. And Jeff's response was, well, you can do both. <laughs> like yeah. You can build an empire and also have a family. Yeah. So yeah. it feels like you can't. Lifestyle and up. empire. Yeah. Empire lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Right. Right. Awesome guys. Thanks so much. Yep. And Thank uh, you. we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it guys. Have a Merry Christmas. Right, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. See you. Have a sassy Christmas. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to SAS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at sassfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sassfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Let's go!